Hey, if we haven't met uh, before, my name's Philippa, I'm one of the uh, leads of this church and I love that I get the privilege to do that. Um, and we're going to be launching into a new, a new series today. Um, the, what I'm feeling from all of you, from the conversations that I've been having is that a lot of us are in a place where all of a sudden we feel like, wow, I just want to go deeper uh, into what God has for me. I want to go deeper with God. Uh, and that's the heart behind um, gathering at 6 p.m. to really dig into scripture. We're going to be doing that together. Um, and so in the mornings to sort of ca- um, balance that out and to continue to dig in together, uh, we're going to be doing a series which I've just called Rhythms. Uh, And this is just an opportunity for us to look together at the different uh, daily, weekly, yearly rhythms that piece together to make up all of our lives with Christ. Uh, We're going to be looking at topics like worship, prayer, uh, reading the Bible, mission, evangelism, giving, Sabbath, might even talk about fasting. I'm going to get someone else to do that week. Um, But the heart behind exploring this stuff together has really come from countless conversations uh, with all of you over the last few months. There's a real sense of this desire, like I said, to go deeper with the Lord in our journeying with him. Uh, And it feels like it's important to say as well that lots of us are absolutely certain that everybody else has got this stuff nailed and we don't. And we're embarrassed to admit it. I've had that conversation so many times over the last few months with lots of you who've said to me, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one here who hasn't got this rhythm of life nailed, who hasn't got my regular Bible reading pattern sorted, who hasn't got my regular quiet times quite in place. And I just wanted to say to us this morning and kind of the heart behind this series as we go forward is that it is a great and very effective tactic of the enemy to convince all of us that all of us have got it sorted apart from us and to help each of us to pretend that we've all got it all together. It's a very effective tactic of the enemy to do that because what it makes us do is spend our time and energy pretending to know what we're doing rather than learning to know what to do. So I just wanted to put that out there this morning uh, and over this series. This is an opportunity and a moment for all of us to be honest in saying, I have not got this nailed down and I would like to get it more nailed down. Not because I want to tick any boxes, uh, not because I feel like that will make God love me more, not because that will make me look like a good Christian, but because I desperately want to become closer to Jesus and I want to look more like him as I live my life. So this series is all about being realistic, Um, heading to the Bible to see what it really has to say about this stuff and trying to kind of unpick that from any church culture stuff that we may have learned along the way. You know, those of us who grew up in church have picked up all sorts of stuff over the years, some brilliant, some not so brilliant, about what it means to disciple, what it means to follow Jesus in that kind of daily uh, rhythm way. Um, And so let's work together to use the Bible to unpick some of those things uh, that we might feel freedom, not guilt. Uh, The goal of this series is just that freedom in Christ, not bondage in guilt. So, I'm not going to make you put up your hands, but if you've ever had to sweep the dust off the top of your Bible before you go to read it, then this is for you. 
and that's all of us. Uh, there was a guy that Simon and I met when we were on holiday in France this year. And one evening, a load of the um, guys from the campsite all went to watch a football match. Uh, and Simon noticed that the guy who was driving him uh, to the match had brought with him an apple and a bottle of water. It's not your classic football snack choice, <laughs> I wouldn't say. So he asked him about it. And as he was talking to him about it, it transpired that this guy, whenever he leaves the house to go anywhere, that's what he takes with him, an apple and a bottle of water. It's not enough, he said to Simon, but it's always a start. My sense is that many of us, lots of us, are spending a lot of wasted energy feeling guilty that our spiritual lives don't look how we want them to or how we think they ought to. You know, we have this feeling, don't we, that every encounter with the Lord should be deeply nourishing, long in time, fulfilling, like some kind of banquet around a table filled with nutritious, delicious, home-cooked, organic dishes, you know, full of the whole balance of needs that we each have every day. But how many of us know that that's not real life? You know, yes, ideally we aim, don't we, to sit down at the table at least once a day to eat a meal that includes vegetables. But it doesn't always happen. Sometimes all we can do is grab a bottle of water and an apple and throw it in our bag to keep us going through the day. And we can't let what we feel we should be doing stop us from doing what we can do. So what's this series? Well, it's a chance for us to explore in detail uh, how we're doing with the rhythms of the Christian life together. It's a moment for us to grow in our love for Jesus and to talk together about practical ways of doing that. It's an opportunity as well to share from across this church family about how our following Christ looks. And I'm going to be over the weeks asking different ones of you to come and share with us, you know, what does it look like for you to worship in your daily life? What does your Bible reading rhythm look like? Um, not because I want perfect people to come here and, and say that, but because I want us all to remember that none of us have got this stuff nailed, you know, especially not uh, the staff team or the clergy team, you know, we're all doing this stuff together. Um, and it's a great privilege that we get to do that. But what is it not? What's this series not? It's not something to feel guilt or shame about. It's not a box-ticking exercise, you know, got to catch them all. It's not a guide on how to make God love me. And it's not something unattainable. It's not something that's only for the holy or just for those who are super keen. So I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we're going to dive into this stuff together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you call each one of us into relationship with you. And I thank you, God, that when we turn to scripture, that that looks like the disciples walking with you, learning on the go, hearing stories from you, having encounters with you. And Lord Jesus, might our discipleship look more like that as we walk along the roads of our lives, Lord. Might you uh, help us to spot the encounters of your power and your wisdom? Would you speak to us of who you are, of the stories that uh, make you who you are and who we are? Jesus, we thank you that we get to journey with you. Would you help us, Lord God? Amen.
He says this in Ephesians 1. And I told Michael this morning that I was going to say something from Ephesians. And he was like, what? <laughs> he, he wasn't. That's not true. So if you want to know more about Ephesians 1, you should come tonight because Michael's going to dig into it in real depth. Um, it says this, I keep asking, this is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And what I wanted to say today is something like this. My love and devotion to Jesus begins with a posture of openness of both heart and body, allowing Jesus to love me so that I can love him in return and then reflect his love to others. My love and devotion to Jesus begins with a posture of openness of both heart and body, allowing Jesus to love me so that I can love him in return and then reflect his love to others. So I'm going to talk about our posture, I'm going to talk about Jesus' presence, and then I'm going to talk about his power. This whole thing, this whole series is all about our posture and open-heartedness to Jesus. It's about the direction that we're pointed in, and it's about our attitude of being ready to make space for him and to receive from him, to be ready to give to him and to be ready to follow his instructions. Many of you in the room may have worked with groups of children before. And many of you in the room will therefore know what it looks like when a group of children are ready to follow instructions and when they are not. Um, I didn't say Leanne, tell Leanne I was going to say this, but uh, Leanne and I, uh, over the summer, had the privilege of doing a three-day choir camp with a bunch of, of kids over in Bethnal Green, and we had a great time. Um, but as with anything, there was a moment where uh, all of the children were wanting something else other than to sing. Uh, and, I, and there was this wonderful moment uh, where Leanne, in her great patience and grace, said to them all, who has a need that we need to meet before we can get on with what we're supposed to be doing? Who needs to go to the toilet? Who needs to get a drink? Who needs to put their jumper down? You know, who has a need that needs to be met in order that we might get on with what we're supposed to be doing? And then you can see, she said it in a much more patient way than what I'm painting. Um, and then one by one, as we kind of worked to meet the needs of those children, uh, eventually, they all managed, eventually, to sit down in a circle with a posture of readiness and openness for what we're about to do with them. And it, so if any of you are teachers or TAs or you've done that, you've worked with children, you will know when they are ready to engage and when they're not. And maybe I'll say that when I stand up here and I look out, I can tell when you lot are ready to engage and when you're not. Uh, but what this series is about is what it looks like for each of us to posture 
our hearts, our bodies, our lives, our money towards Jesus. And sometimes those are major pivots that we need to make in our lives, which are enormous. But often they are small, incremental needs, things that we need to give a little bit of attention to, to help us to be ready to receive from Jesus and to give to him. And let's just acknowledge in the room that there are people here who have been Christians for 40 years and there's some of you who aren't even sure if you want to use the word Christian to describe yourself yet. But for all of us together, what we get to do is to figure out over these coming weeks, what does it look like to have a heart posture that makes space for Jesus? And practically, that looks like so many things. That's what this series is going to be all about. Uh, And that's why, like I said, over the weeks as we hear from our teaching team, we're also going to be asking people from our church family here in this room to come and share with us uh, their top tips for how to do this stuff. How do we posture our hearts to Jesus? And when we do, when we get that heart posture right, even just for a moment, It's the presence of Jesus that we get to experience. In our passage from Ephesians, Paul is praying that the church in Ephesus may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know him better. He says that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And this is what happens when we posture our hearts toward Jesus even just a little bit. It's like that image in that famous story that Jesus tells of the prodigal son. You know, the son begins to run home, to come home to his father. And even when he was still miles off down the road, his father saw him and like hitched up his robes and began running down the road towards him. It's like that. As soon as we make one step towards God, the father just runs to us, just takes advantage of that tiny step that we've made towards him. I've used this example before, but I always think about um, when you're trying to feed a baby who's just learning how to eat solids. And sometimes they sort of go like that and they kind of clamp their mouth shut and they, they don't want you to. But any good parent will know that if you spot even a crack in their mouth, <laughs> even the tiniest little, or if they accidentally set, dare to say something, <laughs> straight in with the spoon and it maybe that's not a good thing I don't know it's just where we're at um not anymore actually but uh it's but that's an image for me because it's like God will take advantage of any tiny little heart posture that might be even closely opened up to him if there's just a tiny crack in our mouth, God is there with the spoon ready to throw in some nutrition, throw in some goodness, to be with us by his presence, even if our heart posture is just that tiny bit more turned towards him. Jesus will take any little posturing of our hearts, any two-minute moment that we might give him and run towards us. And then what does he do in those moments? If we allow him, if we give him space, if we really believe that it can actually happen, Jesus pours out his wisdom, his revelation. That means knowledge about him and experience of him. 
If we stop for a moment, if we stop focusing on that hour-long quiet time that we didn't get to have this morning and the guilt we feel about that, we might just realise that the podcast we've listened to on the walk to the train station or the quick-fire prayers that we've muttered over our kids as they've run into school as the bell rings are moments that we've spent in the very presence of the living God Let's not discount those tiny things, those little apples and bottles of water that we carry with us in our day that sometimes we can think, oh, that doesn't really count because it was just when I was on my way to the station or it doesn't really count because it wasn't a proper quiet time and I didn't sit on a proper chair and I didn't have a good cup of coffee with me. You know, all those things that we have in our mind that make us think it was a proper quiet time. How dare we discount those moments Because they are moments that we've spent in the very presence of the living God. The presence of God by the Holy Spirit does so many things. But what it always does is remind us, firstly, that we are so, so loved by Jesus. And we don't just get to know that as a fact, but we get to experience it in our hearts in those day-to-day moments as we posture our hearts towards him and his presence comes on us. Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We get to know Jesus' love for us, be in the incredible presence of him, and experience and know and receive the power that he has available to us. Knowing Jesus' love for us by making space for him, by allowing him by his presence to come and be with us, By the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to love him in return and to love one another. It's from that place that we get to do that. Let me read to us for a moment from um, 1 John. Maybe the band want to come and join me. 1 John chapter 4, this is a very famous, well-known passage. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Our experience And our knowledge and our acknowledgement of God's love in our lives is intrinsically intertwined 
with our love for God, our love back for God, and our ability to love other people. So when we talk about rhythms over these next few weeks, yes, we absolutely are talking about going further into developing what it looks like to have a living relationship with the living God for us, that we might live our lives to the full, like Jesus said. But it's also about when we, when we make that posture towards Jesus and when we experience and understand his presence, we are given great power, great power that enables us both to love him back in a way that we never thought possible, but also to love other people in a way that they might understand and know his presence too. It's an incredible gift that we get to have. And so I just want us to remember that as we kind of go forward in this, in this series. You know, yes, this is about us and our personal journeys with Christ, but this is also about learning what it means to be people, like we've been talking about over the last few weeks, learning what it means to be people who are transformed, that we might show others what it looks like to be a transformed person. And really, that is how communities become transformed by the presence of God and by his power. Why don't we stand together? You know, in these, um, in these weeks where it's the first of the month, we, um, we take some space together um, to worship and to pray and to respond. Uh, and uh, our kids and our young people get to um, do that in their groups too as we've been together worshiping every Sunday to do that. So uh, it's a privilege and we have, we have tons of time this morning to do that. And I think for each of us in the room, there is, there is something that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I think that because it's always true. You know, there's always stuff that the Holy Spirit wants to do amongst us and in us and through us. And I think the first thing that we, that we should pray for is um, the Holy Spirit's help to posture our hearts well towards Jesus' presence. Because as much as we kind of strive and struggle to get that right, um, we can't but he can. So Holy Spirit, would you, would you come even now and help us to posture our hearts, to turn our directions back towards you. just wait for a minute we've got tons of time we don't need to rush and we don't need to worry about our kids coming back in or anything like that you know we've just got time so let's just wait we just turn our attention and our affection towards you in this moment.
give it over to him because there's just no point feeling guilty about not getting it right isn't going to help you to get it right it's the Holy Spirit who comes and does those things come and meet us Holy Spirit would you do that work amongst us we pray just as Pip was praying that, I felt really reminded of um, <clears throat> something that I experienced once in like a Bible study about the woman caught in adultery in John's gospel where she was surrounded by men holding, a, holding rocks ready to stone her for the sin that they saw and felt that she had committed. And um, when I ex experienced that a few years ago, the person said to me, we were literally kind of acting it out. So we were all, there were like quite a few of us and we were holding rocks ready to kind of throw them. And in that moment, the guy who was leading it said, now, uh, where do you judge others for things? And where also are you ready to throw stones at yourself because you're guilty, you feel, you know, you want to throw those stones of guilt at yourself uh, and he got us to drop them drop the stones drop the things that we judge others for drop the things that we judge ourselves for uh, and it was an incredible release actually of essentially repentance for the way that we lots of us there had judged other people in church and uh, in our life so I, w I wonder if it's okay this is it's the no. trust we have in each but yeah, other. Yeah, this is yeah. great liberty, isn't it? To just be able to <laughs> jump up and say this. Um, I really felt the Holy Spirit maybe wanted to help each of us just to do that. So I wonder if you might imagine yourself holding that rock. You know, we've all done it. I've done it. Like ju we're judging other people or we are judging ourselves. And you may just need to hear and see Jesus in the midst of that crowd of, amongst us us who are so quick to judge, there's Jesus bowing down, protecting the vulnerable. 
And as an act of repentance, confession now even, I wonder if you might just imagine dropping that rock. Where have you judged others? Like repent of that now, drop that stone. Hand that judgment over to God. Let him deal with it. It's not yours to deal with. But for some of you too, where have you been judging yourself? Where, where have you, where do you need to drop guilt? Just imagine dropping that now. You may even want to just in the quiet of your heart say that. I give this over to you, God. I give you this guilt. Just like Pip said, I hand it over to you. This is what Jesus invites us into. To drop that stone, to go and to not judge anymore. privilege it is to get to do that so let <clears throat> so week one let's set our intentions that we might become changed people not because of anything i say or any of the teaching team say but because the holy spirit's on the move is that all right so we're going to sing in worship now uh, but if you want to be prayed for please let me encourage you to just come forward and uh, we would love to pray